Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? Chris, how's it going? How did it feel driving last week while I was over in, uh, in England? I had one of the better passengers that I could have in Rob Mahoney. He's so calm. He is. I compared him to Tyus Jones on the podcast, one of the best backup point guards in the league, just really knows how to, how to keep the trains running on the on time. So I think, we, you know, we got to a place where I didn't even feel like I was driving anymore. And that's, that's you know, it's like when you do the best podcasting and also when you play the best basketball, it's like where you're not even thinking about it. But we did miss you, though. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, when it's automated robot driving is where the, way, the way you want to feel when you're hosting a pod. Uh, today yeah. on the podcast, we're talking a little bit about Thursday night's games. We're recording this on Friday morning in L.A. So we'll talk a little bit of Sixers raps, a little bit of Suns pals, a little bit of Mavs jazz. But what we're really doing is looking forward to this second round. We have Saturday off in the NBA tonight, Friday night, when you're listening to this. If you listen to it on Friday day, you'll hit, get a little Timberwolves Grizzlies, a.k.a. <laughs> the cocaine series i don't really even know what else to call it it's just like what are you guys doing i think Harala bob did describe it as as a coked up p- poker match on bill's pod and I, I i really agree with that but we're gonna be looking forward a little bit to the second round so why don't we start with philly you want to do that yeah let's do it okay so this is one of these funny things where I, you sent me a tweet yesterday actually that i really liked which was like raptors fans colon Boy, this is just like amazing to be a part of this beautiful experience. I can't wait for the game to start. And then Philly fans colon, this is the worst day of my fucking life. <laughs> yeah, shout out Indos Valley from Raptors Twitter and all of Raptors Twitter for being Im- immaculately calm. Like calm in a way they've never been. 
Yes. And so uh, Philadelphia fans not known for their for their calm. I did not have high expectations for this series. I really did not have, like the vibe of this team going into the series. And this is the funny thing about the playoffs, right? Because like in the moment, if you're a fan of one of these teams that's letting a series maybe slip through their fingers or is not playing up to their potential or has a coach being really defensive in pregame press conferences or a star center suggesting that a recently acquired all-star point guard is not being aggressive enough, you get a little nervous. You know, the days get longer. The games feel a little bit more of a grind to watch. But then when you're out of it and you're like, we won 4-2, we did what we were supposed to do. It, it's like, okay, like in, when you look back on this basketball reference page, nobody's going to be like, Doc almost blew a 3-0 lead. They're just going to be like, Sixers won 4-2. And then they're under the second round. You said something really interesting to me last night where you were like, maybe the Sixers are a team that needs to be the underdog. And even though that they were the favorites in this series, I think a lot of people were kind of second guessing and poking holes in, in, in what they were. And that like what they needed was a little bit of adversity and a little bit of like, ah, I wonder, can they beat Toronto in Canada? Is can this really happen? They they needed the skepticism. Yeah, I think every, you know, playoffs we have a team that comes in as the underdog and then like a weekend they stop being the underdog because everybody falls in love with them and and roots for them. And then, uh, then immediately after that you have you have nobody nobody left that you're you know, using as a chip on your shoulder to say, Hey, like we could prove you wrong. Nobody believes in the Sixers. Even after winning last night, um, I don't really feel like there's a lot of confidence coming from Philly fans. It's it's absolutely hilarious, by the way, that like they just don't have home court advantage at all, ever. Like you know, it's like either you're playing in Toronto or you you got to go back to Philly and play in front of those fans, right? Like you really you really don't want to go back there. Uh, but yeah, I really just think we get this train going for like the nobody believes in us Sixers. From an actual basketball standpoint, I don't know how much I. feel feel good about James Harden consistently being in a position of having to, you know, be the guy that nobody believes in. Um, I think he is just much better as a front runner. <laughs> yeah. But last night, you texted me in the first half of that game, which was the most Toronto Raptors first half of all time. Just yes. offensive rebounds, deflections, floaters, giving up a bunch of corner threes, and you think it might not matter. It did. Shout out Danny Green. Chris Boucher turning into the demon child of Scottie <laughs> Pippen and Akeem Olajuwon. Just giving Joel Embiid nightmares. But you, you texted me at some point in a very close second half. I was a little bit behind you, so I don't know when this text actually came, but you said this is over already. I think that was in the first half. I was, oh, yeah, was yeah, sorry, a, in the first, the first half. half the second quarter. I think what I was like, I was like, they... I think that the Toronto took like Philly's best punch in the first quarter and then just the the all out everybody is 6-8 and plays every position and is attacking the rim like a demon that started happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like I don't think the Sixers have it. Like I don't think the Sixers have an answer for Siakam or Boucher and their team is too athletic and too big and too frenetic mm-hmm. and it's going to get tight in there and Harden's going to start trying to get fouls and Embiid Embiid was doing a lot of like bad Embiid body language stuff. So I was just getting extremely nervous and preparing myself for the worst. It was not a great performance by me as a fan last night. Embiid looked frustrated with the rest, but also a little bit defeated by them. Like he was, he was almost, he was just sick of the back and forth and he was just going to shrug his shoulders and walk away at this point. Luckily they had a much better second half. One of the best quarters that I've seen them play this season, the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that third quarter, I love the way that Harden and Maxi were playing off of each other. And like the Raptors can also get, they are incredibly aggressive and they're a good defensive team but they're also just like frenetic at times too so 
just like a pump fake pass back and forth and hit a three like Harden and, and Maxi kind of figured that out. And I think, you know, you just also just got, like, better Embiid. And it just, you know, they also just, like, don't ever underestimate the Raptors' ability to just stop scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of just been the death knell for them this season. Like, there are times they look like that first half team. And then there are times when it's like, oh, yeah, maybe Scotty Barnes shouldn't be shooting from outside twice right. in a quarter. And, like, these Chris Boucher corner threes at some point just aren't, like, you know, you can't keep going to that well over and over again. But then you texted me during the Pelicans-Suns game. The Sixers were still on, and I think I started texting you about the Pelicans game, and you were like, dude, enjoy your W. They were... <laughs> were they still playing at that point? Yes, yeah. they were. The Sixers were up they like were. 30 at that point. Yeah. They were. They were. And you texted me asking, is, is Bridges a top 10 player? Yeah. And, you know, I've just been... I've, I've been doing a lot of therapy recently. And I've been le- I've been learning about how to actually change your thought patterns. Are you in therapy like me because the Sixers traded away Mikhail Bridges? Is because that's what I usually talk to my therapist. Oh about. yeah, yeah. No, I mean I've, we we won't really get into that today. But you know you you got to learn how to change your thought patterns, right? And the most difficult thing about that is you know once you realize that what you were doing before wasn't working, you're kind of left with a blank space, and then your brain kind of freaks out, and it just goes right back to to to, to its old ways. And I could kind of feel you doing that there. Like the Sixers were up 30 and it's just, it's a, I imagine it's a very tough thing to handle at this point. Like it's, it's nice that they were winning this game and that they, it was very clear by the fourth quarter or like even like by the end of the third quarter, like they're going to win this game. Yeah. They went on like a 23, five run or something like that. And the Raptors kind of were like that. We don't have it. Yeah. It, it flipped, it flipped very fast. And I, it was, it was interesting to, to me to kind of watch you have this, you know, you have this 20-minute window here where you just can't freak out about anything, right? Like, Doc has not had another press conference finding, like, another former player to shit on in order to, you know, justify his own coaching resume. So, like, this just window where you're going off in different directions. And I just, before we get into Heat, heat Sixers, I just want you to enjoy this. I am enjoying it. I am enjoying it. It was a great night for Philadelphia sports. The Eagles also had a really good draft last night and made a huge trade. Just not used to everything going in the right direction for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I will say that, you know, I learned some stuff last night. I took note of the fact that Embiid had called out Harden. And a lot of that was about, like, Harden shooting. And he he was like, J- James needs to more, be more aggressive. I'm telling him since he got here, he needs to take more shots. And I thought that I was really happy that Harden processed that critique or whatever that was, that that comment in a way that was actually useful for the team itself. And so you mentioned Maxie and Harden being the key to the victory, and they certainly were the catalyst for what happened in the third quarter. What Harden was doing was being aggressive, but it wasn't about shooting. It was about throwing those hit-ahead passes that unlocked a different level of the Sixers' offense, which was not quite transition, but it was like getting into offense way earlier in the clock before Toronto had a chance to put five, six-foot-eight dudes in front of everybody. And Maxi was getting open three-point looks, you know, in que- you know secondary breaks or like quasi-transition situations. And when he heats up, man, it's like he's a video game character. You can see him growing and growing. And that pretty much wrapped up the game. I thought Harden being the quarterback and also dictating the pace was the big thing. So I was actually actually like incredibly satisfied with this win. It wasn't like I was like, oh this is fake news or like this is an empty empty w and now we're gonna get our asses kicked by miami like i was very happy to get done with the series in six i didn't think that was gonna happen 
And then, yes, I mean, like the thing that I will say is that I think the Sixers took all of the juice out of um, out of the Toronto arena pretty early in that third quarter. I think it was mm-hmm. just like, OK, unless unless some like Rockets Clippers thing happens here, which since Doc Rivers is on the bench, I, I did send a text message to say Doc Rivers up double digits in the fourth quarter of a closeout game. What could go wrong? <laughs> but I was pretty confident. And I, had, I had, you know, we, we're going to talk about that Pelicans game. That Pelicans game was essentially like an Elite Eight game in the tournament. Like the the atmosphere in New Orleans and also the frenetic like competition was just incredible. So it was a nice antidote to what was a pretty sleepy Sixers game after three quarters. Yeah, Raptors fans, uh, not the best lower bowl in the NBA. Why? Why is that? You know, too many people that are just there to be in the be in the background of a Drake yeah. Getty, Getty photo. Yeah, okay. yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Any more eulogizing of the Raptors? Do you want to do? do you, no, any? I think they had a great season, you know? Like, they, they were way better than expectations. I think they found something real, and they kind of know what their weaknesses are, too. We'll kind of see what happens with Fred going forward. And, I don't know, there's some interesting trades that they could make, but I think, I, I think that's, a, that's, that's a conversation for a different day. It's like the 10th like thing I'd like, I'd like to talk about. You know? Is Nick Nurse one of those trades? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I guess, I guess the Lakers kind of saved themselves a little bit here with Doc moving on to the second round, didn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up that this is like now Doc is going to like stay forever just because he got out of the first round. That was sort of the... That would the, get your hopes up? No, it's not. Like, I don't want... I don't really think I, I want Doc Rivers to come back. So I, I'm hoping that like this is uh, this is just like a, a final stand for Doc rather than like a reinvigorated... He's staying here. He's going to buy another house in Philadelphia. Let's talk a little bit about this Miami-Philly thing, because as you mentioned, as the Sixers sort of took on this weird mantle of underdog favorites, or, you know, like former favorites that were now the underdogs, I think that they can carry that into the second round. I think that that's good, you know? You got a Miami team that's a little beaten up, but is the one seed, and the expectation should be that Miami... I mean, is the favorite in this in this in this series? Uh, they're a little beaten up. Lowry with the hamstring, Butler with this weird knee thing that came up, uh, which which I don't really didn't really get a lot of an explanation about, but maybe it was just like managing Jimmy for the second round. Uh, Harden with nights off in Miami, you love that, you know, <laughs> whatever he can do to enjoy himself in between games how are you feeling about the heat sixers i just think it's going to be a completely different series like it's it's just going to have to take on it's going to take on a very different tenor i think than the raptors series will because i think the heat defense is just so different and their personnel to handle guys like Embiid, for example is so different i think it kind of everything kind of just starts from there for me um obviously you have bam at a bio but sneaky like a little like sneaky good Embiid defender is a uh, Dwayne Deadman? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, not really a factor in the Hawks series, right? Like that wasn't really going to be a series for him to play in. Um, and there's obviously, I still think ways that you know the Sixers could take advantage of a guy like Deadman too. Especially, you know, I think you'd look to Maxi, probably a little bit more than Harden, well, a quicker guy for for uh, you know exploiting a, a seven footer like that. But so they have actual bodies to throw at Embiid, whereas the Raptors kind of had a bunch of guys that. We're going to be overmatched no matter what. Um, and their whole thing was trying to keep and beat out of, like, the deep paint. Because mm-hmm. that was kind of the Raptors' story, right? Like, once you get in there on them, like, you're kind of you're going to be able to score. 
Um, but they would kind of crash by committee and kind of find a way to keep you out of that zone. So I think I think that right there is going to be a big difference. Like just like some of the you know like Embiid just gets a foul because he's just going to be able to overpower somebody. Type of stuff is not really going to be there for them. Uh, it could be more of like that could work in his favor in a way too. Like I think he got very annoyed by the sheer amount of bodies that the Raptors had. Um, like probably like you know by <laughs> mid midpoint through the series. Um, this might be a little bit more traditional, like sort of like a back to the basket type of series. I'm fascinated by like the Bam and Bead matchup, like how much he can handle him one on one, and then also what happens to the Heat if you know Embiid gets Bam into foul trouble. Um, because that, that's when I think things could start to get a little bit ugly for them. But, yeah, to me, it starts from there. And then, like, you just need to have a really good Harden series. Because, like, the biggest points of weakness for Miami are going to be, you know, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And if James Harden has, like, an exceptional aggressive series where, like, the step back is working and, you know, he's really looking to get his own offense and everything. And and you still need him to be a playmaker. But he if he's aggressive, then... You know, I can I can see I can see them winning that series, but on the other end of it, like you also just see like Tucker, Butler, and and Lowry, and just like the the hell that they're gonna put Harden through, and I just never really trusted him when things get too physical in a series. So that's probably like Harden's performance to me is probably the biggest X factor. It's gonna be huge. It's yeah, like, you nailed it. Like I think that this honestly comes down to Harden. If the Sixers have a shot at winning the series. It has to be the the version of Harden in the highlight reel and not the version of Harden that you see on any given Wednesday night. You know, like it's mm-hmm. gotta be it's gotta be aggressive James Harden who's who's dictating the pace of play, who's got the refs in his pocket, who's driving guys crazy by getting them into early foul trouble. Like I need a PJ Tucker technical foul because he's screaming at a ref about like landing in James Harden's landing zone. You know? I you just I feel like that's the momentum that they need. I do think that there is, like, this is a really good potential, like, sneaky rivalry game. You know, you've got, like, crossover storylines with Butler. You've got this. these teams have met a couple of times in the playoffs over the last four or five years during Embiid's state time here. So I think there's some familiarity. I don't love Spo versus Doc in terms of making adjustments, uh, in terms of guiding a team through a playoffs. But I, maybe I'm going to regret saying this. I feel like Miami kind of backed into the one seed. And I'm kind of interested to see, like, this is a real, this will be a real, like, who are these teams series? You know, like, Philly underperformed, I think, a little bit this year. Obviously had to deal with a lot of, like, off-court stuff. Mm-hmm. Miami, I think everybody thought was going to be good, but I don't know if anybody thought they were going to be the one seed in a in a conference with Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. And here they are. So, yeah, I'm going to be fascinated by it, like... I think it has the potential to be a really, really chippy series. Yeah, that is another sneaky sort of thing with with the Sixers. And I think you could see that developing a little bit in the third quarter last night. It's like the amount of new things that we might see out of them if they are tested. Uh, Because we haven't really seen what this team is going to look like, you know, when they've had a lot of reps together. You slowly see that developing every game, right? I think, you know, Maxie and Harden kind of immediately figured it out as long as Harden kind of like does the playmaking and pushing the ball and everything, they're going to play well together. Um, the Harden and Bede connection is not quite all the way there yet. And this is, like, again, like, where I do, like, I don't want to make this all about Doc or anything, but it does worry me a little bit, like, the lack of intentionality that the Sixers can have, because I think you really need that to beat 
a defense like the Heat, especially since they have a couple of weak spots there too. So it, to me, it, it becomes about like, okay, like are, how much are you going to just let things continue to run the way that they always do? Because that kind of seems, that's just like the, la- that, that's really the problem, right? It's a lack of adjustments or just like the, the minimal adjusting within, you know, like they're just you never really see anything dramatic happen with the, with the, with the Doc Rivers team, right? Yeah, and I think like <laughs> no, the way that the ever heat... dramatic happens. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> you don't have you don't see anything. Yeah, right. My bad. <laughs> Nothing tactically dramatic happens very often, right? And and the Heat are just like they they can beat you in so many different ways. So you know, even if you do come away with a game one victory, I just I imagine them being able to completely reorient who they are and then where do you kind of go from there that's going to be what I'm really curious about in that series because the Heat also do have like they have a less like I think strong version of what happens with the Raptors and that like they can stop scoring for a little while mm-hmm. and like the Sixers can take advantage of those stretches and like get it working in that semi-transition that we saw in the third quarter but it's just it's not going to be as dramatic and it's like it's not going to last as long so what do you do in like the many half-court possessions that you're going to have to play in that series. Yeah, that, to, to that point, the thing that I really want to see in this series um, early on, if if possible, because I think I'll just I'll probably have a heart attack if this happens in a Game 6 or a Game 7, is I've seen the Sixers win comfortably. It's been a second since I've seen the Sixers like chess move and grind out a tight playoff game. You know? Like, the, the victories over the, the Raptors, for the most part, were pretty pronounced and decided you know um not always maybe in like the margin of victory but i think last night was an example game one was an example of the sixers just coming out and last night they were played like shit in the first half but like they got into that third quarter it was just like definitively they are going to win this game they're not going to give up this lead they look great there is not going to be any fourth quarter shenanigans go for it watching the sixers in a four minutes left 101 103 game is going to be really, really, really interesting against Eric Spolstra. Yeah. 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 I mean, they did have the uh, the Embiid game winner. That's right. They did. They had that one Embiid game winner. So I, I stand corrected. See, I was in England. So, like, that, that to me happened at four in the morning. So I wasn't sure if I dreamed <laughs> it or not. <laughs> hey, Hoops fans, don't just watch all the NBA playoffs action. Be a part of it with FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, all new customers get a risk free bet up to $1,000. Just place any bet on the NBA playoffs, and if you don't win, you'll get up to a thousand bucks back in site credit. Look, the FanDuel app is safe and easy to use. You get your winnings fast, and it has tons of betting options, including our favorites, the same game parlays. We're getting into the second round here. Personally, I'm very intrigued by Philly versus Miami, and Philly kind of taking on this underdog mantle. Sirit and I talked about it a lot on today's podcast. But just check under the hood on that one. Philly over Miami in this second round series. Download FanDuel, America's number one sports book today using promo code RINGERNBA and place your first risk-free bet for a chance to take home a W on basketball's biggest stage. Remember to use promo code RINGERNBA for this amazing offer. 21 and older, present in select states only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. 
Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee Redline is 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. So every once in a while, like a, a team will go out in the first round and it really breaks your heart because you just wish they, they could like ride shotgun for the rest of the playoffs in some capacity. I don't know which team I would take out of the playoffs to like put the Pelicans back in. Everybody kind of like, you know, I'm excited to see Luca. Whatever happens with this Memphis, Minnesota series, like I've enjoyed the entire thing. But I fell in love with four different Pelicans players not named Zion. Mm-hmm. And the crowd emerged from whatever like ghost town they had been living in and became like one of the best crowds in the NBA down in New Orleans. And I just thought it was just such an awesome team of guys that like. I don't know if you call them scrap heap guys, like Alvarado and Jones and Murphy and then Ingram becoming or like really sort of asserting himself as an all NBA caliber wing who can really take on the brunt of the scoring. Honestly, I feel like if they got like a better CJ series, they would have beat this Suns team. Yeah, but I think that that's kind of the beauty of Mikhail Bridges, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're I don't know how much you're really going to get like a, an amazing CJ series when he's just giving up that much hype against, you know, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, but yeah, to your point, this was, they kind of remind me of the bubble Suns from 2020. Like you've got, you've got Willie Green, who was part of both of those teams Mm -hmm. having, you know, there's, there was like the emotional moment. Um, and there is actually like, I think amongst everybody that's been watching the Pelicans for the last few weeks or so, or a few months now at this point, just a desire to see this, this train keep running. Like yeah. the vi- the vibes are really good, um, and it seems like they've actually really found something that they can take into next year. Absolutely, I mean, like I, I don't know if the Alvarado thing is sustainable on a night to night basis, just because he plays like a a Wolverine. But like, it, I think that the the discoveries that they've made about what those younger guys are capable of, specifically Jones, who was like mm-hmm. a revelation, uh, really, really should should buoy this team going forward, and like. You know, there's been like some talk about like, is Zion actually like, does he fit into what they're doing? And it's like, just put him in the Valanciunas, Larry Nance mm-hmm. role. And I know that point Zion was like a stand thing, but I think he'll, if he comes back or assuming he comes back next season, I think that he's going to want to be part of like, you know, the momentum that they that mm-hmm. they have going. And the Bubble Suns didn't have Chris Paul and Chris Paul was able to come in and take them to the next level. There's no reason why Zion can't be something of a mm-hmm. Chris Paul figure for this for this Pelicans team. Yeah, and to your point about CJ, I feel like this team kind of came away looking like they'll know exactly what their weaknesses are now. And one of the things that's really nice about them is that they can put Zion into a situation where he's going to be surrounded by a ton of lengthy perimeter defenders who will rotate and protect him on defense. And he can make up for, like, you know, like, slotting him into the JV role is perfect, right? Like, he... 
is going to be able to make up for those offensive rebounds and then maybe then some, right? And he's just, I mean, it's it's almost it's almost hard to kind of envision because of what Zion b- brings to the floor. Like, we've never really seen somebody in the modern NBA, at least, like who can get, to get like, just unmitigated paint buckets the way that he can. And on the team, like, the, the earlier iterations of the Pelicans that he was doing that for, like, didn't have that spacing, didn't have C.J. McCollum. You had Brandon Ingram, who was still kind of... He wasn't like this version of Brandon Ingram can get his shot off on anybody. Like he he is strong, he is lengthy, and he is just on balance. Like he's just he's kind of incrementally continued to make those improvements. So them in the pick and roll is going to be just bliss. Like it's going to be blistering. Uh, but on the other end of it, like I do kind of wonder what you do with CJ mm-hmm. now. And I, it sounds like a little. Um, you know, it, it might be a little soon to talk about this. Like they've just had this incredible season. I think he changed their. I, I think you gotta keep somebody like that around. I think he was. Yeah, he was obviously the like, culture stuff. Right, having like a all star level player, if not always an all star, come into your team and be like, I want to be here, and we have something special here, and mm-hmm. I, I I just think like CJ is capable of playing both on or off the ball. CJ is c- capable of doing like a lot in terms of like helping those guys navigate an NBA season and an NBA postseason. He didn't have the greatest series against the Suns. A lot of that is because of specifically who was Ding him up on the Suns. We can get into bridges in a second. I I just think you got to keep CJ. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like there's like if if you do deal him, it's almost like a year from now when like maybe things have steadied a little bit more because there's like kind of clearly some bad juju yeah, like, there that he to, to your bubble to... sun's point, run yeah. it back. Like run it back yeah. with Zion and like see what you've got. Nobody's going to be surprised if they have like a super hot start to next season. Okay, Suns are going into the next round to face the Mavericks. Let's talk a little bit about Bridges because I was only half kidding about is he a top 10 player when I sent you that text. Mm-hmm. He has kind of like emerged. I mean, obviously Last night was another Chris Paul masterpiece, but Bridges is blowing my mind. Like watching him just sort of evolve. Like he can be Rip Hamilton on one play. He can be a slashing wing who gets to the cup on another play. He is obviously an absolutely ferocious perimeter defender and can essentially take on the other team's best player. He's kind of having this like leap postseason to me, but I can't tell if that's I, I can't tell if that's a widely shared opinion. I think it's just a continuation of everything that he's been doing, the th- like the whole regular season. I think I think like just incrementally, he has continued to develop within his role. I just I just wrote an Aiton profile, yeah, and the way that they've gone gone about Aiton's development and Mikhail's development is so similar, in that they've given both players like some level of freedom within that role in order to develop the next thing but it still exists in like a pretty strict confine of what you're supposed to do like the the only real shot creators on that team in terms of like hey i'm gonna dribble out the out the clock right now are are chris paul and devin booker yeah uh but you've got mikhail it started from him just attack attacking you know closeouts to then working on that in between game like that was something that started last year like the the pull-up mid-range shot. I think he pretty much copied that straight out of Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker's bag, right? Um, and then you kind of you throw in more spins and like his his ball handling is improved, and it's all just kind of come together. But it's it's just been it's been season long to me. Like I don't think this is all that different than what he was doing in the regular season. It's just that well we're we're gonna see it more. And he's the type of player that's gonna matter more in the playoffs too. Like I think we are, we could get to a point. I don't think it's going to be in this Dallas series. I just don't think Dallas has like the 
ability to do this on defense, but like you could see it against maybe if they face the Warriors in in the in the Western Conference Finals, where you're going to see something like Mikael Bridges is going to have to be is going to be forced into like being a decision maker right. at certain points in the season. And and I'm curious to see what happens there because I don't think it'll be all that bad. Like he's just he's just a really smart player. Like once again, like shout out Jay Wright, shout out Villanova. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's it, he's yeah like to to me this is pretty much what's been going on with him for for a while now and like I think going into this series he's going to be absolutely vital I think obviously like as the the primary Luca defender um, but you know just everything else that he brings too Did you notice like the Mavericks cl- closing with the five out lineup with Finney Smith Bullock Brunson Doncic and Dinwiddie and mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily like scramble Utah's brains but I I thought that that was like a very cool look that I would like to see thrown at the Suns. I think the Suns could defend it, but it would be interesting to put Aiton in that much space. So one thing that was really interesting that happened last year was the Clippers were playing the Suns right after they had just beat the Jazz, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the continu- a continuation of the same story is happening this year where, I mean, the Suns won't have that much time. The Suns had a bunch of time off between uh, the the, the second round of the Western, Western Conference Finals. So they really keyed into that series. And, like, Aiden spent a lot of time watching Gobert, essentially. And uh, the Clippers kind of came in with the exact same game plan. And it was something that the Suns were just able to bust up, like, yeah. immediately. Uh, yeah. Part of that is credited to Aiden. Like, he is just – he's – faster he's a little bit more modern than Rudy he's a little bit more groundbound too like despite his athleticism I think one of the things that Rudy gets caught up in like in, in these situations where you got to be in two places at once is that he overcommits. and there's just like I think the Suns defense in general too is a little bit more conservative that way too like they are going to give up certain shots they're not going to try to completely stop you like they're they're a pretty low blocks team um and there's just a lot more guys surrounding him too. Like their 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 help side defense and the way that they communicate with each other, it's like they they work like a machine. And I mean the the jazz, the jazz defense in the backside, like their help side, does not work like a machine no. by any means. No. Um, like you can kind of you can get like the the it was incredible how basic the Mavs were able to keep this series. And I think that could have hurt them in Game Six. I think it probably would have against a better team like there were moments and there have been moments in this series where they just things just they let themselves get bogged down too much like Luca plays like a step slow they take a while to get into their offense they start like over searching for stuff it almost looks like you know like the worst parts of of how Chris Paul would play on some like you know on Houston or with the Clippers where it's like yo you don't need to bog the game down this much like just just play a little bit of basketball the Mavs to me are like most scintillating when Dinwiddie and Bullock and Finney Smith have like them or Brunson are the most involved at ends of games. But when it becomes Luca dribbling for 17 seconds and looking for a contact fadeaway, while it's like it's highlight real shit and you like you're just like, oh my god, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. It, it it's one of those things where you're like, did, was there a better look on the floor for this play? Like, was there? Mm-hmm. Could you have? Could you have gotten into some kind of set, even though it's. The waning moments of the game or did we have to do like Luca hero ball here even if it's it's usually he's just in sicko mode so Luca has not had as many um like one-on-one matchup minutes against Bridges this season mm-hmm. uh but historically has not actually performed that well against the Suns and this goes back to when the Suns were bad 
Um, you know, part of that is just the way that they're able to contain pick and roll a little bit better, like they always have been, than um, you know, than a team like the Jazz. And it's like it sucks that we're continuously comparing comparing them to <laughs> to the Jazz, but. Um, yeah, I think I think it's just going to be a, a, a different configuration for him this time. Like they are going to need to get more out of somebody like Brunson, and I almost wonder if you know the, the Pelicans weren't able to make the most out of wearing Chris Paul down. But I almost wonder if like they can just pass the baton on to Jalen Brunson, who can actually m- maybe get it done. Because that's yeah. just going to be it's it's going to be Chris Paul is obviously one of the best post defenders in the NBA and I don't know that you necessarily want to go to like the, the classic Jalen Brunson offense against him. Sure. Um, and they're going to have to deal with way more length on like, it's not just McHale, but you know, it's, it's Cam and it's, it's Jay Crowder's physicality. Um, but at the same time, like taking those hits over and over again, in the series, like that's where I start to worry a little bit about Chris Paul too. Mm-hmm. Cause like he'll have, he'll have like the incredible game like he had the other night, but like, you know, he's also going to, he's at a point in his career where he's going to put up a few games where he's just not going to have it all. Yeah. And it's about like, basically like is Booker healthy enough to be the person to take up any slack that, that Paul mm-hmm. leaves behind. Right. Like yeah. Booker seemed okay last night, you know, it wasn't mind blowing and they, they were using him, I think judiciously. I think they'll definitely need something closer to a hundred percent of Booker in this mm-hmm. Maverick series. You know, we were talking a little bit about how the Sixers sort of need to feel the underdog uh, moniker as they go into a series, and that that's like that's like a little bit more of a better look for that team. Um, the Mavericks seemed like relieved to get out of the first round. Like they, Luca, like obviously let out a deep sigh of of relief that he had finally gotten this off of his back to get into the second round of the playoffs. Do you think that they go into this Suns series being like we have nothing to lose? You know, like we basically, uh, we, we, we're, we're coming in here. This is the number one seed. This is the team that everybody thinks is going to waltz the finals. Like that it's all the pressures on them to kind of, to kind of get the train rolling because they didn't really get it rolling versus the Pelicans. Yeah. Why not? I love, I, I love that framing for the Mavericks. This whole, this whole Maverick season kind of has that tenor to it, right? Like we started this off, like, like what's Jason Kidd doing? Why does the offense look so different? Um, to Kristaps Porzingis is out of here. I wonder what will happen with this trade. Oh no, the Mavs actually clearly won this trade. Like Spencer Dinwiddie has been on fire for them. Jalen Brunson is turning into a star before our eyes. And then you know if if Luca, who by the way looks you know still like he's recovering a little bit from from his injury. Like yeah. if if he can just be Luca, then you always have a shot, right? Like I think I'm going into it convincing myself. And I don't think this is true, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it if I'm on the Mavericks convincing myself that I have on my side the best player in the series and there are going to be nights where he can be the best player in the series and like they're going to have they're not going to have like as many weaknesses to mine in this defense as as they did in 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 the other series but it's still Luka and he's still like he's he's going to be able to get guys into foul trouble and he's just like probably the strongest guy on the perimeter too like there's going to be a couple of things that he's always going to be able to consistently go to and I just kind of have I have faith in that and I just I just you know play my ass off and like maybe we found something with like this this five out lineup and maybe we found something with our defense too that can that can carry over 
and like you know like like Jalen Brunson for like is literally like he is just like playing with house money at this point right like how how many more how many how many more zeros can he add to to the deal he's gonna get this uh, this summer it's sick I I just say every like Leon Rose must just like have a pit in his stomach as he watches and thinks about how much Nick's cap room is going to Jalen Brunson (laughs) and it's like it's great because he's like honestly it was cool to see Luca be like that dude deserves a ton of ton of money. Like, you know, like, I don't know if the, the Mavericks are going to be able to retain him. I don't know if the Mavericks should retain him. If the Mavericks wind up being like oversized and, and they lose in this, in this second round, they like, they may want to like not spend all that money on Brunson. I, I would, but obviously at the, on this podcast, we are just like partial to Jay Wright players. So I would, I, I think that you should, you should probably keep that guy in the, in the building. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk about this Boston Bucks series. Boston... The unstoppable train rolling out of Massachusetts, the defensive player of the year, Jason Tatum, possibly better than Jordan. Everything going their way. Robert Williams fully recovered from his knee injury. Udaka, just an amazing coach, dialing up like 04 Larry Brown Pistons vibes from everywhere. Are we sure that Boston should just be this unchecked favorite? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, don't they don't don't they have to go through the Bucks here? And I don't mean that like obviously they have to go through the Bucks, but I think that the Bucks are going to be a much more formidable opponent for the Boston than Brooklyn was. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they just they just didn't really face enough competition in the first round. I think like that's that's kind of going to be the tough thing about with Boston, right? Like, are they going to be a little too relaxed? Do they need to feel like the underdog to win? That's a great question. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's it, I think this might be ringeritis. But if we crown Boston too early, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's maybe like we're all just a product of the five pe- people that are closest to us, right? I may be trolling, <laughs> but I'm also I, I think that's a legitimate question to just be like, are you sh- are you sure that like they've they've already chiseled the name onto the trophy? Like Boston played Brooklyn. Brooklyn was like 
yes, they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then they have like a bunch of guys who are basically like six steps out of the G League. You know, like I, I, I appreciate the fact that there's some talent on the Brooklyn team in mm-hmm. various places. They swept Brooklyn, man. Like that was as much about Brooklyn as it was about Boston's supremacy. I know that Boston is the best team in the NBA in the second half of the season. I know this defense is historic. I know that they're incredible. But I think that there's a punch in the in the mouth coming. Like I think that Boston is going to get shoved off their square a little bit and I will be curious to see their response. You know, if you if you even take it back to the Bucks too, right? Like they had to really go through the fire against the Bulls. Like I don't think I don't think like I don't think anybody on the Celtics you know, had to deal with a kind of perimeter defense and actually rim protection that Alex Caruso was providing for the Bulls too. So I think the Bucks are a little bit more seasoned as well, a little bit more ready for, for the fight. The one thing I think that's going to be like immediately different is that the defensive configuration that you have to have to beat Giannis is going to be completely different than what you have to, to beat, beat Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like he just doesn't react to physicality the same way as, as those guys do or as anybody in the NBA does, but like maybe especially specifically those guys, right? Like the, like the, the Celtics had just kind of perfectly scouted Durant in, in that like, let's, he thinks he's going to get to the nail for, for the shot every single time. Let's be overly physical with him there. Let's, you know, just try to swipe the ball out of his hands. He's got a low shooting pocket and like, let's just see where it goes from there. And yeah. they frustrated the crap out of him. And with Giannis, it's like he's going to get there and he's not necessarily pulling up. Like he's just going to kind of try to barrel through you. And to me, it just becomes like, okay, who's going to win the physicality matchup here? And I think that one can go either way. Like you look at the way Jason Tatum has been playing, especially the way that he played in the first round defense that he played on on Kevin uh, Durant. Like he seems to be upping his physicality almost in the same way that Giannis was last season. Yeah. Where as the challenge yeah. got bigger and the players in front of him got bigger, like he seemed to almost get bigger too, <laughs> right? Um, and I, that's that's that to me is going to be the most interesting thing and probably the definitive thing about this series. Like obviously Middleton is out, and that just takes away a huge scoring punch for, from the Bucks, and they're going to have to kind of lean into the defense that got him a championship. But that gives us way more time with Grayson Allen and Marcus Smart on this court at the same time. Oh, my God, <laughs> I know. They had this December matchup that I think was probably the closest thing. Like, they, all their regular season matchups just had, like, injuries, or you had, like, early season Celtics that just weren't quite the team that they are right now. Right. Um, that made it kind of hard to really look at them and, and see anything that – you know, you could you could take away, but I was just watching like the Marcus Smart Grayson Allen minutes. It was it was just funny. Like you know, I think like Marcus Smart sees Grayson Allen. He's like, I just I would like to isolate on you now, please yeah. and thank you. And like that can go that can go in so many different directions. Like, I think I like he's been way more consistent than he has been in the past. But like you know, you can kind of fall into some Marcus Smart offense that you don't necessarily want to get into. But yeah, no, the the diving's gonna be fun. Like what if this is finally like Grayson Allen getting a taste of his own medicine like what if I don't I would not wish an injury on anybody but no you know like <laughs> never that but I do think it would be fun if the NBA was like as a as a as a little bit of side action not only are we gonna play a basketball game but we're essentially gonna do like the Oklahoma drill where we just like throw a ball out there and let <laughs> like whoever comes out of the circle with the ball between smart and Allen it's like maybe the other, their team gets five extra points. Like I would just love to see loose ball competitions between these two guys and like the amount of like nut punching and 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 pinching 
and like everything that's going to go into it is just going to be hilarious. I just hope nobody breaks somebody's ankle. <laughs> it's definitely in play. So that's a perfect image for what the series is going to be. Yeah. They have a lot of guys that they can throw at Giannis. This is also one of those things where th- this is one of those second round series where you're like, this should be the finals, a conference finals, yeah. <laughs> if not the finals. Yeah. Like you're, I, this is probably the most mouthwatering one is the, is, is what they're going to do. And also like the Celtics just feel very, for as much as it's like, it's got this bedrock of defense for as much as it's obviously powered by Tatum's scoring threat. They feel a lot more pliable than the Bucks do. You know, I think that that's always been kind of like the critique of this Bucks team is Bud's intransigence at times or his stubbornness tactically. But I almost wonder if Middleton being out is going to force Bud to like shuffle the deck a little bit. I think Bud's Bud's pass that at this point. Yeah, you see a new Bud. He's yeah, in, this is his blue period. I think he just had to. Uh, well, he had to kind of do it in the playoffs last year, right? I think it started probably at the All Star break last year. They started doing some different things, and this whole season to me has been. They've obviously dealt with their injuries, and their defense is just a step step slower. The intensity isn't quite there, but it's also because they were just, you know, they're playing around with like blitzing in a way that they hadn't done before. And I think he has a lot more faith in their ability to do that. And like the Brooke Lopez injury also forced their hand a little bit too. Like they just had to change the way that they played. Right. Um, and like that's 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 a guy that's actually probably going to be a pretty big X factor in this series as well. They're, yeah, these teams are just going to challenge each other way, in ways that are that are really interesting. So on the Celtics end of it, it becomes about you know they, I think they want at all costs to be able to keep their rim protectors down low, right? right. Um, and the Bucks being five out with Lopez or Portis, both incredible shooters, both guys, like, they're not like, oh, cute, we'll, we'll let them shoot shooters. It's like, no, get, like, run. Run to them right now if they have the ball in the corner. Yeah. And that's probably going to put Time Lord in some interesting positions, kind of maybe in the similar way that, like, you know, the, the Mavericks will challenge somebody like Aiton right. as well. Like, Where it's like, you, you've you got to make that run to the corner because that guy yeah. is not there for window dressing. Right. Or, or they'll switch some of those and, you know, and then it becomes, you know, like, how much you want to lean on trying to get Brooke Lopez some free points, too. Like, that's something that they did in the, in the playoffs last year that I think really paid off for them. Um, and he looks like he looks good too. Like he doesn't yeah. look he doesn't look like he came off an injury. He doesn't look like he missed like he looks like he missed the entire regular season in that like He feels rested. He didn't have yeah. to play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he he looks like he missed it in the best possible way, right? Um and that that's that's going to definitely present some some difficulties as well. Like I think the way the way to beat the Bucks if you're especially with Middleton out is like, you know, let's let's turn Giannis into a passer and it becomes about the shooters at that point. Um, and then on the other end of it, it's just, well, the other thing is that the Celtics are just like a really low foul team. Like they're just, I'm, I'm going to be really curious how much Giannis can force the issue and like get to the free throw line and get them in foul trouble as well. I predict a lot of post game press conferences complaining about calls and the disparity of calls for one side or the other. We can, we can pretty much definitely put that in the Celtics bucks bingo. Do you have predictions for either of these Eastern conference series um yeah without Middleton I feel like the Celtics are gonna find a way to to get through this one I think it's gonna be Philly Boston both because it's right for the, the ringer mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also now I, I've really adopted the like yeah like we got through the first round this is Miami series to lose it's all on them they're the one seed they're the shit talkers let's see what happens so I think it's gonna be Philly Boston the revolutionary war rivalry continues I know so 
Let's talk a little. You want to talk a little bit about tonight's game? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I uh, admittedly have been uh, only following this on highlights because of the the travel overseas. Mm-hmm. So it's like these games were the ones that were starting at like one thirty in the morning. Tell me a little bit about what you see tonight, and and tell me a little bit about whether your blood pressure is irrevocably like altered by this series. So I was at games one and two of this series in Memphis, and the thing that is so striking to me about this series and makes it like one of the most fun first round series is that these teams are so so similar like just kind of down the line like watching that game I had I had a view of Pat Bev and Dylan Brooks like talking shit to each other from like 20 seconds like from 20 sorry from 20 feet away from each other right and that had already started by game one and at that point I think for the first four games of the series there was almost a mutual respect with these teams like like Chris Finch and and Taylor Jenkins Jenkins like you know both getting their feet wet as as coaches both awesome with like their in-game adjustments and both really have like well I guess okay so I get I guess the Wolves have now had a had a had a players only meeting after their last film session was that was that film session just D'Angelo Russell's like (laughs) waving off everybody it was the criterion collection of that fucking shot no it was was just Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell pointing each other at each other like the Spider-Man memes yeah so they both like they both seem to have like a you know, a collaborative slash accountable sort of approach that's, you know, gotten their players to be on their sides. Um, and they listen to them and they really trust them. Like they trust them to make in-game adjustments that they, like they, like they know that they're going to be prepared for every, every game. And I think they really appreciate that. That probably on the Finch side is probably where most of the trust seems to, seems to have come from. Whereas like, you know, Jenkins and the Grizz have been together for a lot longer. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got you've got John Morant and Anthony Edwards, like both just like confident in different ways. Uh, like Jaw is kind of just like like fuck everyone who isn't in Memphis. Um, like fuck the opponent, fuck you, like just fuck everyone. And Anthony Edwards is like definitely one of the better shit talkers too, but yeah. has a little bit more of like Anthony Edwards is like fuck Michael Jordan, fuck Larry Bird. But also like I am Michael Jordan and I am Larry Bird. Like he's yes. he's got a little bit more of like a quiet like he's not quiet, but he's like his his style of confidence is a little bit more like understated, I guess, right? Like he doesn't have as much of a chip on his shoulder as Jaw mm-hmm. seems to. Uh but they are both like franchise changing young point guards who like you know with like sheer force of will of what they can do on the court um but also just their attitudes of like completely change the tenor and attitude of their franchises right and then you've got carl towns and jaron jackson who just incredibly talented incredibly inconsistent incredibly flailing all over the place and you just don't know who it is it's gonna have four fouls by by the third quarter i know it's it's incredible it's just like, and then you got like a bunch of young guys that like, you know, the, that, that you've developed through your system and, you know, just seems to like really buy in. Surely, like, honestly, sometimes just because of that. And like, they were so, they were so evenly matched that I think that it actually like, it hurts both of them and that they weren't able to use the things that they would use to just annoy the crap out of any other team against each other. Like they're playing a mirror of each other. Both of these teams are like, could, why couldn't we have just played Utah? For, oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is so much harder for both of them. And like yeah. usually you have both of these teams like to your point playing against their opposite where they just you know they 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 just punk them. And like so far the Grizzlies have proven themselves to be unpunkable. 
and like the jury's a little bit out on the wolves like it's it seems like the, the wolves have like a little bit of like a front runner underdog mentality where every single time they start to win a game carl anthony town says something he really shouldn't or patrick beverly goes and calls john moran too small like, don't do that don't do that. Like, Jaw ja is proving himself to be, like, the kind of superstar you don't talk shit to, right? Like, where, like, you're now, like, like, Cat tested it, and I think, and, and Pat tested it, and I think going forward now, we've gotten to this place where if you talk shit to Jaw Morant, it is your fault, and your teammates need to be looking at you like, why would you do that? Yes. Like, he, he has kind of proven that in this series. And and Ant's, Ant's kind of getting there, too. Like, he's just a little bit younger than, than Jaw. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was, it was a fascinating two games to be at. And it's been a fascinating series to just like really dig into because, because of all that stuff, like every single thing that makes them similar is also like, you know, they have the same weaknesses as well. Yeah. Like they have, they take bad fouls and like they get like a little bit caught up in the frenzy of the game. I think at halftime of the last game, I think Charles Barkley said something along the lines of, you know, like he heard this quote from a coach once of like, you know play with emotion but don't play emotional and both these teams seem to like really ride the wave but they also get caught up in it at They're the same time i think that's why you get like you got these runs in this series that are incredible like it's like it's always like a 20 to 4 third quarter for somebody yeah i mean this is probably what the biggest game in minnesota since kg took them to the western conference finals right like and was like standing on the standing mm-hmm. on the scores board so is that going to be like fuel or is that going to be gasoline on a fire? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, are these guys going to feel it? And like, this is going to turn into a college atmosphere, like where like it's like a, the Cameron crazies are there. Or is this going to be like the moment just gets huge? Cat starts screaming at refs. Pat Bev antagonizes Jaw, and we we wind up with another one of these series that ends in six. I think Memphis comes out of this series no matter what, but it's going to be. It's going to be pretty intense tonight. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Any other second second round series that you want to talk about? Like the Golden State waits for either one of those teams. We've hit everyone else though. We can save that for when it. Ha- I guess we won't. We won't even be talking until that series is like three or four games in. Actually. So yeah, next Friday. Yeah. It's just going to be very different. Yeah. Because then I think like you know for for the Grizzlies like you can throw Stephen Adams back in there and and see what happens and. If it's if it's the Wolves, which I mean I personally don't think it will be, then like you know their perimeter defense is going to be really interesting against those guys. But I mean I also look at like Desmond Bain has just been like shooting the lights out, and he is definitely like one of the be- best shooters in the league. But I also don't think that necessarily bodes well for a series that you're going to have against like Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry. Mm-hmm. It was like I I hope I hope for it to be the Grizzlies because I think that they can give him a way better challenge than i think the wolves would yeah also either way whichever team wolves or grizz goes through we get generational shit talk because of draymond Mm -hmm. like there 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 will be blood draymond like i love that he's podcasting after pretty much every single game i'm sure steve kerr loves it too yeah (laughs) yeah no everyone everyone in the warriors brass is like super huge fans of it uh so he was talking about cat he was like man like i've never heard this guy talk talk this much before like, it's just kind of interesting. It's just like, it's just, it never really seemed to be a big per- part of his personality. And I just think at a certain point, you got to just start being yourself. I think Kat is like the exact type of guy that Draymond loves to play. So that'll be really interesting. But yeah. on, on the other end of it, like, do you remember, like, and this is now years running, like, no one's really gotten over this. Well, like, the Grizzlies haven't gotten over over this, but the Andre Iguodala I know. versus Memphis. And, and, and Iggy's out, though, because he's got that, he's got this neck, th- neck thing. And it doesn't sound, I, is that, is that going to, 
it sounds bad. I mean, I'd like Kerr was just like, this is a big loss. So I can't imagine this is like a, we'll see what he, where he's at in five days thing. I think it sounds like it's closer to weeks than it is days. Maybe the Warriors could rally, rally behind that. Like hashtag do it for Iggy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need. More, more hashtags in the Bay. Yes. Um, okay. Let's wrap it up there. Uh, I thought this was a, a really good look at the second round. Are we making a collective, the answer prediction that Philly and Boston are coming out of those series or do you have, I'm, I've got the heat. And then for the second round, are you going Phoenix over Dallas? Yeah, I got Phoenix over Dallas. And then I mean, the Warriors should probably beat whoever they play. But I do think that like that could be really interesting. I think they're going to give this, this Suns team a lot of headaches. I like it. And I, I kind of wonder whether or not this is going to be an injury series. Like, mm-hmm. if the, I don't know why, but I feel like there's like a Chris Paul hits his hand against someone's hip and hurts it kind of injury out there i don't want that to happen but I, you almost have to price it well in. i just think that there's something like there's some like volatility to this to this series that hasn't that mm-hmm. we haven't seen yet so i'm going dallas and then i think golden state all right let's wrap it up there chris sutton was our producer today uh thanks so much for listening to the answer we've got uh ringer nba programming pretty much every day so tonight i think after the game koc is going to go up with the void so you can check that out and then bill and ryan on sunday night uh covering some of those those first games of the second round and obviously we're in our NBA show all week with with real ones group chat and the answer so stay tuned we've got stuff all week for you and we can't wait to get into the second round talk to you guys soon This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.